I want to encourage us to take our scriptures and go to Matthew chapter 21, Matthew 21 and verse 8. We're going to start with verse 8 and read through uh, verse 14. And I really, instead of, it's very easy for me to get entangled in the details uh, or details, however you want to pronounce that word. And um, But I want to get a, kind of a, an overview, a 30,000-foot look at this text and just see something that's um, convicting and uh, tell you a, a little story uh, regarding even somebody that is probably not going to be with us today, but sometimes is with us today, with us in our prayer call. So Matthew 21 says, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Of course, we know this. Very well, especially even as we approach Easter, um, Resurrection Sunday. Verse 10 of Matthew 21 says, And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Keep that in mind. That's just a striking, I don't want to get lost in this. Actually, I do want to get lost in this, but but just keep that in mind. Um, All the city was moved. That happens a lot when Jesus arrives, uh, saying, Who? is this? So there's a lot behind those three words. Who is this? The disciples asked that question on the Sea of Galilee. Who, what manner of man is this? So verse 11, and the, and the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Verse 12, and Jesus went into the temple of God, and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, it is written, so he's quoting Old Testament, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, quoting from Isaiah 56. But ye have made it a den of thieves, referencing Jeremiah 7. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. So the few words that I want us to think about and maybe make a modern parallel to is in verse 12, where the scripture says, Jesus went into the temple of God. And as I read that, there's a few things as a pastor um, over the years um, that keep surfacing in the mind. One of those is, in in my mind at least, is as I'm preaching to a congregation, how many of these really know Christ? This is a recurring thought to me. If Christ were to come back for his bride, the church, how many would he actually take out of this congregation. And uh, I often think as a pastor, uh, I wonder how many people in churches are actually truly believers. 
another another item that is a recurring thought over years is this. If Jesus were to walk into our building today, would he be shocked at how we are worshiping him? If Jesus were to visit our church, would he be grieved? Would he be uh, amazed? I mean, would he be delighted? Um, are there things that we are doing that he would rather we not do? Are there things that we are not doing that he wants? In other words, in this situation, Jesus showed up, and the temple is not the church, but he showed up to the gathering of God's people and made changes, drastic changes. And I'm even going to apply this personally. If Jesus were to take an inventory of our life, this is the king of glory. This is the Jesus that died for us and bought us with his own blood. If he is to look into our life, would he make changes? And would we be open to those changes? So I want to encourage us that in this, especially in this verse 12 of Matthew 21, that Jesus was identifying distractions, things that were not in his plan. Um, we can, there are some things that, we, that can look alive, lots of activity, lots of hustle and bustle as it was going on here. I mean, the Jews were to pay a temple tax and they were to pay that tax in temple coinage. And so to accommodate out-of-town worshipers the, that didn't have the temple currency, the religious leaders set up currency exchange tables where they exchanged the currency, and they even sold animals that would be used in the offering, offerings. And all these were fine and good, but there was a semblance of lots and lots of activity, but it was not activity that Jesus cherished. He wanted a different activity. Um, and I'm just going to encourage us, and this is kind of where I was challenged this last week. Um, I mean, we live in a city, and not everybody lives in this type of a city, but um, several on this prayer call live in Greenville, South Carolina area, and there are thousands of of churches. I mean, even on the same street as the church that I belong to, within a stone's throw, there's five gospel-preaching churches, and um, maybe six. I don't know the, the nature of the sixth one. but um, And I'm, I'm looking at this and thinking, there's a lot of activity, but is it real, fruitful activity? So we get dressed up, and we get in our cars, and we come, and we do all the things that are normal for us to do, but is it fulfilling what God intended? Lots of activity, but in this situation, God is saying, Jesus is saying, you're not doing the one thing that matters most, and that is my relationship with you, prayer. Um. They were doing lots of things, but the things were not connecting them to God. And so Jesus, in order to show them, to show them priority, he brings them back to his word. He brings them back to, he quotes scripture. You've got all this activity, but I want to bring you back to my word. It's primary. 
And the leaders of Israel had turned the activity of traditions into primary, even over Scripture. And so Jesus does a divine reset, and he brings them back to the Word of God. And um, I'm wondering, this is, and this is, I don't have anything specific in mind. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a couple things I have in mind that I haven't processed thoroughly, but I'm wondering if Jesus were to show up at the church that I belong to, um, would he turn over some tables? Would he say, this is all good, but it's not best? It's not really what I'm after. And even in my own life, is should he be turning over some things that I hold really, really dear I'm wondering if there's even traditions in our churches that we would equate with Scripture, and it's not found in Scripture. And they may be good traditions and good preferences and good heritages, if that's a word, um, but they're not biblical. And it's not that they're against the Scripture, it's just they're just not primary. So some of this I got thinking about, and I'm not going to tell you who this is, and some of you may, well, some of you will know who this is. But that's not the target. That's not the goal. Um, someone who's often on our prayer call is uh, part of a church where they met, and they had a really nice building, beautiful people, lots of organization, and yet sitting around um, a table with the leadership of the church, they determined that a lot of their church income was being given over to the physical building that was not used very often. And, um, and, and God does not do this to everybody, but he did it in this, this particular church. And they said, our goal is missions. We want to see our community reached, and we want to see um, our, our world reached. And we're do- one of the reasons we're doing that, we, we can do that, is through the offerings that we take and the cash flow to missions. And so what they did is they decided to sell their building. They decided to sell their church building and find a place that maybe wasn't their own that they could occupy as a church um, for a lot less money so that they could harness the cash flow for missions. And um, even to the point of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars monthly that they could free up for missions and even meet in a place that was not as accommodating as their current location. And they've done this. Three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I was in their, their new facility. Not new, their, their new location. And, um, and some of you were there. So uh, I, I just, and God does not direct everybody to do that. But I'm wondering how many of our churches and even how many of our personal lives need a divine reset and we can ask God to enter the temple. Would you enter the temple? Would you show us with the mind and the eyes of Christ what's most important? And he identifies what's most important. We're to be praying. Um, and there may be a lot going on in our relationship with the Lord that's not primary. There may be a lot going on in our churches that's not primary. And he identifies relationship, relationship with him. And... Um, so I, I, I just I read this, and I thought, okay, we're in a weekend where most of us are going to be gathered in a corporate setting. Could we even just ask God, are we doing what's most important? Are we doing what's 
primary to you. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And I'll just conclude by saying it's also interesting that uh, he healed there in verse 14, the blind and the lame. And uh, these folks could not have the relationship with him inside the temple worship because they were, quote-unquote, defiled. And so Jesus took that relationship hindrance away and healed them. Okay, now you can be where you need to be. So Jesus, <laughs> Jesus identified these distractions, and then he removed the hindrances for relationship with him that's vibrant. So Jesus entered the temple. Jesus, the one greater than the temple, arrived at the temple, and it's obvious that his desire is undistracted relationship undistracted relationship. So as we're praying today, could we even ask God to do an inventory of our own hearts? Is there something in the way of undistracted relationship? And maybe, and I'm not saying we ought to be countercultural or we ought to, you know, call call leaders together in our church and vote to, you know, sell a building. That's not what I'm after. I'm after as a praying family, could we look at how we're serving the Lord? And even even ask God in his wisdom to do a divine reset in our culture. Revival would do that. Revival would do that. So would awakening. Many, many people coming to know Christ as Savior. Jesus entered the temple.